podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks, Podcast Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. You can download any of these free apps to any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, and Spotify. They're all free. doing today no no i'm not gonna compare what they are freer than this time we're just jumping into this one today i got a lot going on no don't don't cry for me argentina i'm i'm uh, heading to florida soon so you know i mean boohoo i gotta get ready to go to florida but i'm suffering for christ you know fishers of men and fishers of fish How's everybody doing today? We are in a series, a simple series, really, titled How to Receive Healing Simple Enough. How to Receive Healing. Very simple. Uh, Really just going back to some basics on this one, because this should not be hard for us, and yet many do struggle with it. Uh, There's so many people today who are Christians who do not believe in healing or have a very clouded view concerning healing. I know so much has been said, and uh, we have extremes on both sides of the topic. But we wanted to land somewhere in the middle and just go back to the basic biblical doctrines of healing. It's in the Bible. We, we can see the multiple scriptures about it. So many stories about God healing people, even back in the Old Testament under a, an old covenant, if you will. Of course, Jesus healing people in a new, uh, which, which was always, you know, something that amazed me when people said that uh, healing is no more. And yet we have a new and better covenant. And under the old covenant, people were getting miracles and healing and under a new and better, we don't get miracles and healing, then I don't know that it would be a better. We ought to at least be able to do what they did in the old, sacrifice animals or go through rituals or do something to be able to get a healing. I mean, at the the least, we ought to be able to do that if, if it's still a part of our covenant. But see, we don't have to do that because of Jesus, new and better covenant. But that being said, I, you know, getting off track, uh, we know that Jesus healed people in the new, the apostles are healing people. And yet so many testimonies today. I mean, it's really must be one of the biggest uh, conspiracy cover-up crazy uh, things in Christianity today to say that there's still miracles. I mean, wow, so many people say they've had them, but none of that can be true. There are no miracles today. I mean, I mean, it could be millions, millions of people saying that they've had them. And, uh, but no, no, you didn't. No, we don't believe in it. We don't believe in it here. It's, it's an amazing, uh, I mean, what an amazing... Um, cover up. What an amazing, somehow all these people got together and made up these stories. That's amazing. Um, so when we look at this, you know, people healing, uh, Jesus healing people in the New, New Testament, the apostles healing people, yet somehow this topic comes up as debatable. Friends, it's no more debatable uh, than salvation. It's in the book. So we've been going back discovering the ABCs, if you will. We want to get these foundations of healing, not the glam and the show and the video and the popularity of ministers today, not how healing has made somebody millions of dollars and has made them famous, cameras following people around, just Bible, just Bible. Yeah, I've got a question. Why, why aren't there people following others around that are out there getting people born again? Now, that's something miraculous and amazing worth watching right there. 
We don't have YouTube videos doing that. Oh, oh it, it doesn't draw the same attention as a miracle. Okay, okay. Uh, of course, it's always my hopes that the miracles can and would lead people to salvation, and it often does. Uh, but I, I guess the point that I'm making is this topic of healing and miracles, it has been treated in such a way that we have really elevated those who do this above pretty much anything else in the body of Christ. And it's that culture that surrounds this that I believe has led to confusions for people. We've made those who work miracles out to be special. We have. We did that. Why not follow those around that are getting people baptized in the Holy Ghost? Doesn't draw the views, does it? So because of the celebrity culture that we've created, we, we created that. I'm not blaming the people that, that, that are out there doing it. We've created this celebrity culture around this. We have a, a generation here watching these um, over-reading their Bibles. They're, they're watching the celebrity culture that surrounds healing and miracles more than they're reading their Bible, healing specifically. And I know this because um, it, it was a while back, and this still breaks my heart, though. Gosh, I hate this story. Um, it was a group of 20-somethings you know, uh, young, young married couples. Well, not all of them were married, but, uh, you know, young, it was a church group and they were in their twenties, early, early twenties. It was a group of them. Uh, some of them were married, some were not, but anyway, you know, that age group. Um, and they set out, they set out to go pray for the sick in their town. I mean, it was amazing. Um, they set out and they were doing some stuff and I mean, they, they were just kind of starting out and they were super excited. And so uh, one of those people on, on Facebook, they had posted something that Todd White said, and they took it, I believe, out of context. I wouldn't think that Todd White meant this exactly, uh, the way that it came out. And of course, it was just, a, 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 again, a 15-second clip, so you don't truly get. But it was very dangerous what they posted out of context, this little clip. And so they took something that he said, and again, out of context, and they posted it as a general statement and began to try to support it as a, as a bigger thing than it was without any backstory. And they were running off the wrong part of it. And, and it's coming out biblically incorrect. It was a very dangerous statement. And so that's what I said. I said, guys, I believe that's a very dangerous thing to say, not blaming Todd White, not blaming anybody, just that clip and posting it in that way. That's a very dangerous thing to say because the Bible says, well, holy smokes, you would have thought that I came against Jesus the Christ himself. They quoted Todd White, and Todd White says, and this and that, and he's the one getting results, and who are you, and on and on. And so I gave him, no lie. And again, I know these guys, and they know I do get results. They've come, some of them had come with me, and we had prayed for the sick. So again, I gave them no lie, like 20 scriptures, guys, 20 scriptures trying to explain, I'm not blaming him. You took what he said is wrong because see, you can't contact him. You can't call Todd White. They watched something and they ran with it. And that's it. A 15 second clip, 20 scriptures. And the guy that posted it after 12 of them had just jumped down my throat on this thread. Well, he said to me after I posted all these scriptures, well, I see what you wrote there, but Todd White said. 20 scriptures, and I see what you wrote there. Hmm. Then his wife gets on there, and she said, this is Todd White, people, in all caps, of course, making the point that don't listen to this guy, Todd White said. I'm not blaming Todd White. 
This is the danger of the, of the, of the culture that we have cultivated right now in this generation, a 15-second clip of something that was totally taken out of context. I don't believe the guy meant it that way. And they're going to run with it like it's a doctrine because they're jumping in at LMNOP and they don't know the ABC. As I predicted, it all went to hell in a handbasket for him and it fell apart because they weren't getting the Todd White results. Why? Because you can't jump in on a 15 second clip. We have created this culture that that's enough. And I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to know the basics. I've got Holy Spirit. Well, I'm sorry, you can have Holy Spirit, but that gives you no reason to be ignorant about the word of God. If he's going to bring things back to your remembrance, you better have something to bring back. Holy Spirit will never operate outside of what the word of God says anyway. So it all went to hell in a handbasket, and I'm upset about it because their, their desire and their passion was amazing, and they really did want to do it, and they really could have done it, and they were excited to do it, and it all fell apart. It, just, it fell apart. They jumped in on LMNOP, and they didn't know ABC. So I'm doing this for the purpose of if you, have, if you have accidentally fallen into this idea where you've been watching this, that, and the other, and you don't seem to be getting the results that you're after, uh, I want to go back. I want to go back and get a foundation under us because if these kids had had a foundation under them, they would have known, oh, wait a minute, something's, something's off about that. And, and they would have known enough to say, well, we don't think it's probably Todd White. Maybe this little clip was just kind of taken out of context. Maybe we need to go back and look a little bit further. Or if they'd known ABC, they could have maybe dissected behind the scenes what they were pretty sure he probably meant if you know the guy or know his heart. And again, I don't, I don't pretend to know everything about Todd White, but I don't suppose he's working against God. I don't suppose, you know, uh, you know. So again, if you would have had the foundation, they, I think they could have deciphered that a lot better. So that's what I want us to do here because I know we're never going to escape that culture. I know we're never going to escape watching the videos. That's where everything is gone now. And that's okay. I just want us to be able to, when something like that pops up, I don't want us to make major doctrinal decisions off of a five-second clip of what somebody said that is totally going to be out of context because you didn't get any context. But the context that you could have inside of you could be the ABCs of the Bible to know enough to say, I think I understand where he was going with that, or to say, nope, that's wrong, and I reject it either way. Again, I think they could have recognized that, and they could have known what he meant. So, so we're in a part two of this one on the laying on of hands. Uh, this is a part two of laying on of hands. We did, we did one last week, and you can go back and, and check that out. Again, looking on how to minister and receive healing. And we know, again, many denominations, and I, and I say that, but really anymore, I, I don't really see too many spirit-filled churches doing this either laying hands on the sick. And yet every single Christian should practice the doctrine of laying on of hands on the sick. You know why? Because Jesus said so. I say doctrine because if you listen to part one last week, you'll know that the apostle Paul, he gave us the foundational doctrines of the church, if you will. And the laying on of hands was one of those things that he said, can we move past that elementary stage? You ought to already know that you should repent. You ought to already know the doctrines of baptism. You ought to already know about, uh, you know, the rapture or the things that he was talking about. You ought to already know about laying on of hands. We ought not keep going back and talking about this. That's, that's a basic Bible doctrine. But again, as we do, just because of a few ill-guided ministers, they may fall in, in the ditch on this one. And so sometimes we bail. And then we just eventually, we toss it all out. We toss it all out. Listen, to those of you who do not believe in the laying on of hands, and, and they, a lot of them, they hold a contempt towards it. 
And they do because they've seen the extremes where people have abused it. But we see Jesus, and I think this is true from the reports that we have in the Bible. Jesus used this method more than any other method to heal the sick. And when I say method, I'm talking about the other things that he did, like spitting um, or, or just even speaking. We, we see a lot of laying on of hands in Jesus's ministry. So I believe that to be true. In Jesus' hometown, we see in Mark 6 and verse 5, now he could do no mighty work there, except that, except that he, he did lay his hands on a few sick people, and he healed them. So again, this is talking about Jesus, that he couldn't do any of the mighty works that they'd seen in other places, the big miracles and all that. He wasn't able to do that because of their unbelief. He couldn't do the amazing miracles that he'd been doing in other towns and regions. But it appears though, and this is amazing, that the laying on of hands works when other things didn't work. He was still able to lay his hands on a few sick folk and heal them. Matthew 8 and verse 15, so he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and she served them. Now we know that there's other parts to this story as well, but the parts that I want to focus on, because we know he rebuked the fever. This is Peter's mother-in-law. We know he, he rebuked the fever. And so we know there's, there's a lot of times these methods will work uh, together, right? Together, where we can speak and also lay hands, you know. And so, but again, he touched her hand and a fever left her and she arose. Mark 8, 22 through 25, then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him. And they begged him to touch him, right? So these guys are like, hey, please, touch, touch our friend. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and he put his hands on him, he asked if he saw anything. And he looked up and he said, I see men like trees walking. So he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up and he was restored and saw everybody clearly. That's pretty amazing. I love this one because here we see these friends made a request. Lay your hands on him. These guys heard something about this. Now, now we know that Jesus takes him out of town and he spits, but he lays his hands on him and ministered to him twice. So we could assume that the spitting got some results, but to see the completion, he laid his hands on him again and he saw clearly. There is power being transfer, transferred by the laying on of hands. And it's good to see, uh, I love how Jesus did it when he didn't first get the results that they were looking for we have an answer right here. He laid his hands on him again. Jesus wasn't wrong to spit first, even though they asked him to lay hands on him. Spitting, I think, got the man to where he could see something. But check this out. Now, you think about this. Because I've, I've, I've pondered this, and I'm going to give you my take on this story. Um, come lay hands on him. Come lay hands on him. Jesus, touch our friend. Come lay hands on him. Takes him out of town. He spits. He can see some. Uh, lays hands on him, and he can see clearly. So uh, check this out. I think this is true. You think of the man's friends. What do you think they told their buddy the whole way to Jesus? Where are we going? Uh, listen, listen, man, we are taking you to Jesus and he's gonna lay his hands on you and you're gonna see. Man, we saw, we saw him do that to this guy and we saw him do it to that guy and we heard about this, this sister and this child over here and I'm, something happens when this man touches people. Dude, they, they get healed and we're, we are getting you there and then they get there and they say, Jesus, touch our friend. You think about this. What do you think this man's faith was in? That's all he probably heard the whole time. So it makes sense to me. I believe this man's faith was in just that. He's going to lay hands on me. And when Jesus did, I feel like that man probably said, there it is. There it is. That's what I, there it is. And he laid his hands on him. And I believe that man was able to receive his complete healing. Now, I'm not trying to make something up. That just makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. We don't have that backstory, but that makes sense to me because that's what that man heard the entire time. His faith was in that particular method. 
Mark 7, 32, 33, 35. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and he had an impediment in his speech and they begged him to put his hands on him. Well, he took him aside from the multitude and he put his fingers in his ears and he spat and he touched his tongue and immediately his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. So again, we see that the, the people knew about this method. They knew about it. And again, they either heard about it or they'd seen this in action to the point where they just knew it. They just, the expectation was they just knew if Jesus would touch this man, he's going to be healed. He is going to be healed. There was no question in their mind about the laying on of hands. Mark 5, 22 through 23, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. When he saw him, he fell at his feet and he begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Again, lay your hands on her, not pray for her. We don't see them requesting that like we do today, do, do we? Oh, if you'd just pray for me. Oh, if you just would pray for me. Now, we might mean lay hands on me, but that's not what we always say. We always ask for prayer. Jesus didn't pray for them. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus didn't have prayer lines. The apostles didn't pray for the sick. Go look it up. Go look in the book of Acts. Go look all the way through. The apostles didn't pray for anyone to be healed. I'm not against prayer. I'm just saying, but in the context of healing, we need to be very specific and we want the results that they got. So we know this daughter died before Jesus gets to her, but look at verse 41. Then he took the child by the hand and he said, Talitha Kamai, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. He took her by the hand. He took this dead little body and he grabbed her hand. So what about you and I, the church? All of us, the church. We have here what we call the Great Commission. And it's amazing to me that I think most churches wouldn't say that the Great Commission isn't for today. And yet here we see a a commission, this is Jesus to the church, an order for authorization to do something, a a formal written warrant granting the power to perform various acts or duties in someone's name. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he that does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Go into all the world. Now, any argument about that? That the the entire world still deserves the opportunity to know about Jesus, right? No problem there, right? And preach the gospel? No arguing there, right? Nobody's saying, we we don't believe in the preaching of the gospel into all the world. Nobody's saying that. To every creature? Well, no, we, we, we believe it's just for uh, a, flec, uh, a few select people. Well, there are some religions that believe that, unfortunately, but they're wrong. But there are some. But he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Well, you know, we, we, don't, we don't believe in that here. We don't believe in that. You, you don't need to believe. And baptisms? No, no, no we don't believe in that. No, listen, we're, we, don't, we don't do that in our denomination. No, nobody's saying that. Nobody is saying that. Now, in my name. They shall cast out demons. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Now we're getting into the parts where people think that they can just nitpick this apart and toss it out. Demons? We don't need to deal with demons. That's crazy. We don't don't even know what to say about that part. And then what? Speak in new tongues? Oh, are you kidding me? That's of the devil. I've heard preachers say that. Tongues is of the devil. You better be careful. Speaking in new tongues, we don't believe in that here. Huh. Well, the the New Testament church does, and it began that way. It was a foundation. 
Mary, the mother of Jesus, spoke in tongues. She believed in it. God believed in it. Jesus believed in it. The apostles believed in it. 3,000 men in one day believed in it. It was a foundation. Mary, the mother of Jesus, even spoke in tongues. Go read the book of Acts. But again, picking and choosing, take up serpents and drink any deadly thing. Again, so many people have taken this to the extreme and out of context and handling snakes and just being ignorant about this kind of thing. And then finally, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Don't believe in it. Don't believe in it. We don't believe in it. We don't believe in any of that. You don't get to take a religious scalpel to the word of God and remove the parts that don't line up to your doctrine. The Bible is right and you're wrong. Once Jesus gave this commission, we we know it's from there. They went out, they got filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2. They launched out from there. And within just a couple of months of the commission being given, we begin to see the miraculous take place in their lives, just like it did in Jesus's life. Acts 5 and verse 12, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Isn't that amazing? Now, again, an argument has been made. Well, that was for the first century church and not us. Well, then so was all the great commission and half the New Testament. Acts 28, 8, 9, and it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went in and he prayed and he laid his hands on him and he healed him. Now, it doesn't say he prayed for him. He went in and prayed. What's he doing? He's getting wisdom. He's asking Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do here? And he laid his hands on him and he healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island that had a disease also came and were healed. I love this one. Here's a man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament laying hands on somebody, and I love that this one miracle caused the rest of the people to come running because I'm going to tell you something. One miracle is worth a 1,000 sermons. Let me tell you a story. I was in Africa 2005, first time that I went to Africa. I've been many times. I don't know how many times. It's been a while. I'm ready to get back. Uh, 2005, Muvumba, Malawi, and I'm there with a missionary that lives there. He was from the U.S., and I think he'd been in that region for about 12 years, and so uh, a missionary, and so he'd been there for about 12 years. He's from the United States. A pastor who was the director for a big Bible college who oversaw a, a region of a couple states in the Midwest and had pastors under him, and and then there was a young man from the Bible college uh, that I think he was in his second year, and this was like his missions uh, he was taking missions, and I think this was part of his schooling. And so, and so, and then I'm there, a drywall hanger, a laborer, working 40 plus hours a week. That's all. But here I am, and we get there, and so uh, the locals had built us a stage. It was amazing. They built the stage out of bamboo. I mean, it's just amazing to watch them dig these holes with their, their machetes and, and, and to build this stage. I mean, just as stout as anything you could do here, except with way, no, way less tools and, and supplies. But they were able to build this stage, and they set it up out in the middle of this particular region where we kind of were led to go and, and in the middle of this ginormous field. And about four to 5,000 people, literally about four or 5,000 people showed up as far as you could see on that stage, just these beautiful black faces. And so the missionary gets up on, on the first night and now he's, he's from a region close to there. So he's never preached in this particular region exactly. So the missionary preached the first night and nothing, nothing. Nobody came forward, not one. Night two, the pastor gets up and He's preaching, and I mean, right, he's a faith, you know, and he's, and he's been a pastor for 20 years, and I, and, and, and I know how to do it, and I'm going to get nothing, not one, not one single convert, and I'm mad. 
Because here I am, I've heard of all these stories about Africa, right? And I'm like, wow. And so I remember this pastor, this particular pastor trying to tell us why he thought we weren't seeing anything. And it had to do with because we're not relating to them in the right way because we're Americans. And so, you know, we can't use a microwave in our story. We can't use a a car as an example. We can't use tennis shoes, uh, you know, whatever. He had all these excuses as to why he thought the first two of them weren't getting results, right? And so, uh, so this would explain a little bit about him. Earlier, he had demanded to, to us, somehow he took over this mission trip like he was the guy. He demanded that if we're going to go pray for somebody, you're going to wear rubber gloves. And he brought these rubber gloves with him for us that when, if somebody came up and we were going to lay hands on them, oh, hold on, excuse me, wait, wait a second. I got to get my gloves on. But God's going to heal you, and I'm, I'm full of faith. Hold on, let me get these gloves on. How do I get these dang gloves on? Hold on, we're going to pray for you. Just let me get these gloves on here. I told him, basically, not happening. I probably used some different language, but overall, not happening. <laughs> I'm not wearing the gloves to pray for people. Are you kidding me? But so that explains a lot about him, Mr. Faith Guy from Faith Bible School. So I'm mad. I'm mad, and he's telling me what I got to preach and what I need to wear and how I need to preach it, and all the way down to the clothing that he demanded that I wear, that I had to dress a certain way to minister to these people, right? And so I get up there, and I I get up there, and I give my little American sermon, which was crap. Pure, flush it down the toilet, C-R-A-P, crap and nothing. And I'm furious. I'm mad at me. I'm mad at him. I'm mad at the lack of results. I'm livid. I'm livid. So they had this stage set up to where the people couldn't come up front because they had it blocked off. And I'm so mad because I'm like, everything about this is is a failure. We want the people to come, but you can kind of come, but don't get too close and then wear gloves and wear the, I'm so mad. And so I looked at the interpreter. I'm up there with a microphone. We brought a sound system and a generator and all this. So I'm up there with this microphone. And I told my interpreter, you tell them to bring me somebody who is sick. I want something impossible that no doctor can help. And then I jumped off that stage and I went past that stupid barricade to where the people were. And they thrusted this little girl up there out of the crowd, about 11 years old, and she's deaf. I lay my hands on her and I rebuke that deaf and dumb spirit in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And suddenly this green goo began to run out of her ears and she began to weep and her mama came running and grabbed her up and that child spoke to her mama and was able to hear her mama's voice for the first time in 11 years. And suddenly by the time I was finished, we recorded 880 plus salvations that night plus healings I couldn't even count. And I went out there and I danced and danced and dance with those 5,000 beautiful African brothers and sisters. The power of a miracle by the laying on of hands. The Bible says these signs will follow those that believe. Did you hear me? These signs, this, if you're claiming to be a believer, these signs, it's a side effect. It's not something that we even have to conjure up. This should be the side effect of those that believe. Well, we don't believe in it. Then you won't be bothered with it. It's for those who believe. Now, I know when Matt and I started Two Guys in the Bible, that's the mothership of all this ministry. We have Two Guys in the Bible that has this podcast. We have Two Guys in the Bible that has the Healing Center. We have Two Guys in the Bible that Christ the Healer TV is under, new old school podcast. So Two Guys in the Bible is the mothership, right? We're sitting at a table. We'd never done anything. 
this, this was back in uh, 2000. We're sitting at a table. We'd never done anything, but we knew what the Bible said. And so we decided, let's go see. Does this laying on of hands thing, does this work? Let's go see. And so we did. We went out and miracle after miracle after miracle. Why? It's for those that believe. Well, it's for the pastors, for the evangelists. Well, if they believe, it is. But it didn't place titles. Believe. Do you believe? Let's go see miracle after miracle. So two things as we wrap this up today. Any believer can go forth by faith. And what I mean is, is that, you know, I read that. I heard that from the Bible. I believe that. I'm, I'm going to go forth armed with this information. And I'm going to do what it is that the Bible says to do. And it's going to work because the word will do what it says that it will do. And when I put my faith to it, right, for a believer, when I put my faith to it. So, yes, believing and acting on the word of God as it is with anything else, just like your salvation by grace through faith. But there is an anointing. And there can be those who are anointed to lay hands on the sick, right? We're looking at 1 Corinthians 12, 9, and to another by the same spirit, uh, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit. So there can be the gifts in operation as well as a part of the gifts of the spirit. There are gifts that would manifest as the spirit wills for you to go forth and lay hands on the sick, right? No faith involved with that one. It's as the spirit wills and the gift is in operation and God is seeking somebody out and you're the vessel to be used. But let me say this. Faith will always be involved anyways, because either way, it takes faith for you to, one, believe the word and to go forth, or number two, it takes faith to yield to the gifts in operation and allow God to use you to lay hands on the sick and to see him healed. Because again, let me wrap it up this way. It shouldn't be a strange thing to us. We're just a cord. We're just a cord, and what we do is that we plug into God. And once we plug into God, again, now I'm talking about why would we plug into God? Why, would, why do we ever plug anything into a wall outlet? It's because we have a belief that there is electricity or power in that outlet. Otherwise, we wouldn't plug into it. But because somewhere along the way, as we were growing up, we got some information that somebody said or we saw the results of, oh, you plug things into that, right? And so, so we take a cord because of a belief that we have, and we're going to plug that cord in with the understanding of what? This cord is a vessel. There's nothing special about the cord. The cord had no power previously. If it's just laying there disconnected, there's nothing to it. But a side effect of a cord being plugged in is now that cord is filled with the exact same power that is in the power supply. It's not its own power. Friends, if you're going to plug in, it better be a three-pronged outlet, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost for you to be well-grounded. You get what I'm saying? But once we do plug into him, so what am I saying? As a believer, we are continuously to be plugged into him. We don't plug in and unplug. As a true believer and follower of Jesus Christ, we are continuously a cord that is plugged in. This is why I'm saying it's a side effect, right? As, As the Great Commission said, this should just be a side effect. These signs should follow those who believe. So as a believer, we stay connected to him at all times so that at any moment, this cord is always filled with that power. And then when I go to lay my hands on somebody and they plug into the other end of that cord, there is a power transference that goes from the power source. It comes through me as a vessel and it goes into the sick and diseased. And it's not about the absence of sickness and disease. It's about the presence of the power. And when we get that power in by the laying on of hands, sickness and diseases and demons flee. It's not something those crazy faith people made up. Of course, yes, as anything else, it has been abused at times, yes. 
doesn't mean you get to toss the whole thing out. I know there's fake $100 bills out there. And if you're worried about it, just send those to the new old school podcast. I'll take, I'll take the chance for you, friends. Hey, I'm just here for you. I'm just here for you. Send those $100 bills in. Just, uh, this is a basic Bible doctrine commissioned by Jesus the Christ. So, you know, I don't care what they say. I don't know who they are, but I know who he is. And he said, do it. And so we shall. That's all the time I have for today. Thank you for joining me on the New Old School Podcast. I'm your host, Don Allen. Until next time, I'll be laying my hands on the sick, attempting the ridiculous achieving the miraculous.